0: Yeah, talking about way out there. Behind! Woo! Wilde that Silence it a little bit. Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Stump up. It. Pop pass up in the middle. Tucker's got, got, got it. Room to run. 15-10. Hit! Hit in! Schrader's touchdown! The Bills make me wanna shout! Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It oh, to the end zone! Stephon Diggs makes a catch! Touchdown, Buffalo! Swing into this! It is over! On ESPN Radio 97.7 100.1 ESPN Radio E-S-P-A-R-O Heard 96.5 FM Heard wherever you are Whatever you are doing On the ESPN app Seen, Heard Shovel and snow and everything in between At the talk.com Ah, The place where you can watch a radio show as it happens. Ladies and gentlemen, you can chat in QSportsTalk.com. The chat is back, baby. As you watch a radio show, and when the radio audience uh, dips into a commercial break, you do not. At QSportsTalk.com, you get your own show. We keep the camera on, we keep the microphone on, exclusive content just for you at TheMightyQSportsTalk.com. Hope everybody is having a terrific Friday. It's our last Friday show of the year, by the way. Uncle Brent's got the uh, next two Fridays off. So uh, live it up on our last Friday show of 2022. Usual uh, Football Friday festivities will commence. Brian Drake is going to join us to tell you your fantasy football advice for the playoffs. That That's a... a uh, How can I put this? Some of you didn't make the playoffs, right? So that might be one of those like, well, I don't want to listen to that. I I didn't make the playoffs. Well, listen so you make the playoffs next year. and You don't have to do the dopey thing that the loser in their fantasy football league has to do. So, Drake will join us for that. The pick 6 awaits. We have bowl games on my TV as we speak. So we're going to mix in. Some bowl games with the three biggest games in the National Football League as well as that rolls through this weekend. We're looking forward to that. There is uh, potentially some football news hanging in the air. Our friends at ESPN Radio in Albuquerque have reported that Rocky Long will, in fact, be the new defensive coordinator at Syracuse. We have not been able to confirm that here as of yet, but we'll keep an eye on it. And if we can confirm it, we will let you know. Uh, Rocky had certainly been connected to the job. He is the godfather of the three-three-five defense. It makes a lot of sense for him to come in and take over. For Tony White, we shall see. Nick Monroe, who we thought is going to be the active defensive coordinator, is at this moment, but would coach in the Pinstripe Bowl, uh, tweeting that some good news is coming out this afternoon, which usually indicates some sort of recruiting news on the way. But uh, maybe we got a little bonus there, so we'll keep our eyes on that. Uh, Not confirmed as of yet, but that is what our friends in Albuquerque, where uh, Rocky Long's currently on the staff at the University of New Mexico in the same position, is reporting. So we'll keep our eyes there. We've got Syracuse and Cornell coming up tomorrow as we will get into uh, not the typical Syracuse-Cornell matchup here, probably the Big Reds' biggest chance to beat Syracuse in about 50 years or so. We will discuss hot takes on the way, how Zach Wilson could be playing for not only his job with the Jets, but in the National Football League in general, and what is an important game against the Detroit Lions this weekend. All that to come. A couple of things to start off with here. First of all, uh, we would like to join many today in expressing our condolences to the family, friends, and all who knew and loved uh, the great Louis Orr, who has passed away at the age of 64 from a pancreatic cancer uh, of course, if you know Syracuse basketball, the Louis and Bowie show, Jim Boeheim's first recruits have their jerseys honored and went in together, Roosevelt, Bowie, and Louis Orr, as they should. Louis Orr, who in his time at Syracuse was 118 as a player for NCAA tournaments. I mean, he set the standard for what Jim Boeheim built. Rick Pitino sending a message out there today. and We all kind of heard that story of Rick Pitino and his first recruiting job on on his honeymoon had to go out there. That's Louie Orr, right? And what Louie Orr meant to Syracuse basketball is one thing. But, see, when you talk about Louie Orr and you see all the dedications out there today, basketball is second, if not third, on the list. He was a tremendous man. He was one of the nicest people I've ever met. I had some great conversations with him both on and off the air for assignments and just you walk away from somebody like that feeling privileged that you had that chance to talk to them. That's the kind of effect that Louis Orr had. Now, whether or not you feel this way in life, but this is who he was. He was a deeply religious man, a a dedicated Christian, who even if you weren't the same religion as him, just would kind of exemplify some of those things in life. Right, but that's who he was, and you know it was always kind of funny to look and see Louis sitting there on the Georgetown sideline, right? But look, Patrick Ewing's a friend of his; it made sense. Louis also coached at Seton Hall, and think about that. So the the foundation he laid here as one of Jim Beheim's first recruits, Louis and Bowie show the excitement there goes and plays for the New York Knicks as well. So there's New York Knicks fans out there, certainly in Syracuse. Our connections are where they're at. But New York Knicks fans out there saying, Louis Orr, love Louis Orr, right? Seton Hall, as a coach, I mean, he touched so many people in so many different ways in the game of basketball, but certainly in life. So it was really sad to hear that today, but also at the same time, that's one of those people that I think you're privileged to have known, and I think if – if you're a fan out there listening, if you ever had the chance to meet Louie or talk to Louie or uh, watch, certainly watch him back in the days at Manly Fieldhouse, whatever your connection is to him, I feel like that's one of those people that you were glad that you knew or even just had the opportunity to watch play basketball here at Syracuse. So uh, our thoughts and, and condolences go out to his family, to the basketball family up at Syracuse. You know, Jim Beheim had a, a statement out there. He spoke with our Mike Waters as well, and he was You know, certainly emotional uh, today, and uh, I'm sure there will be a a dedication at the Dome tomorrow prior to Syracuse and Cornell. That's at 3 o'clock tip time at the Dome. Our pregame coverage at 2 o'clock. We'll certainly discuss this more on pregame tomorrow as well. But uh, that's, man, mixed emotions for sure because you don't want to lose somebody that early. Pancreatic cancer is just one of those brutal things that if you're diagnosed with that, that's a tough one to beat. Louis didn't tell a lot of people about this. Apparently, I mean, I certainly didn't know. Some people asked me, like, because he wasn't at the Georgetown game, and I, a lot of people were, were kind of wondering about that. Oh, I didn't see Louis Orr, or something going on, and then we heard the news today. So uh, our thoughts and prayers and condolences to all out there who knew and loved Louis or who was—he was one of the special ones for sure. On to other things here, friends. As tonight at the Upstate Medical University Arena at the Onondaga County War Memorial. It's Wally's World. Tonight, when Daniel Wolcott, as we call him, Wally, grips the ice with those skates, it will be the 335th time that he will do so. That will be a Syracuse Crunch record. In 29 years of this organization being here and the loyal fan base that it has built and all the great players that we have seen come and go, now, the best of the best aren't here that long. We have gotten into that rhythm over 29 years, and if you are a Syracuse Mets fan, before that, the Syracuse Chiefs, there's certain players that come through and you and you know right away that, like, oh, he's not gonna be here long. I, I better get out and see that guy. But minor league sports has this unique ability to connect with its fan base when you see the same faces over and over again. There are just certain players that are skilled enough and talented enough to be professional athletes, but maybe not to get to the highest level. But to play in the American Hockey League, that is not easy either, to play in A baseball. Like, that's a professional athlete we're talking about there. It shows you how hard it is to consistently make it at the next level and the skill level and all involved that it takes. So there's no shame in a guy like Wally being here for 335 games. And see, that's the beauty of it. Wally is somebody who has embraced this community, comes from Montreal. He's actually drafted by the New York Rangers as a defenseman, ends up in the Tampa Bay organization. He comes here to Syracuse as a defenseman. And even in those early days, realizes that it's probably not for me and he's probably not going to maintain at that position. So not easy to do in a professional career, asks to change to forward. Wally, learning from those that came before him, and he listed a bunch of names, and I wrote a column about this today that I hope that you can read today, but one that comes to mind in particular is Mike Angelidis. Now, think of the transition over the years that the crunch has gone through from Vancouver, Columbus, a brief uh, stint there with Anaheim, which I'd rather not, you know, let's just pretend that never happened, and now, of course, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mike Angelidis. Steps in, and he's one of those names you remember. There's so many popular players for the year. If I start naming them, we're just we're going to be here forever. But no one had the lasting effect and continues to have the lasting effect that Wally did. And in a serendipitous moment, Luke Witkowski is going to be in the building tonight with the Springfield Falcons who take on the Syracuse Crunch tonight. Not only does Wally have the record when he plays tonight of 335 games, he has played eight seasons in a Syracuse Crunch uniform, which is one more than the previous record holder, Luke Witkowski. So you couldn't have timed it any better that those two will play tonight. And they're former roommates. They are still best of friends to this day. And see, that's the thing. I bet you there's a lot of people out there that think they're best friends with Wally. Because that's how he treats people. He's the one, He's the mayor of the dressing room. He is in the Big Brothers Big Sisters organization with uh, Jeremiah, who he uh, mentors in that. He has probably made more community appearances than any player. I mean, certainly being here eight years, uh, he's got an advantage there. But, you know, Eric Nielsen, once upon a time, won the AHL Man of the Year Award, which Wally has not won, I think he's going to win it this year. He should win it this year, frankly. But the dedication he has to this community that he is a part of, that he lives in, Because, and you can't blame him for this, most players that come in here, they rent, they don't buy. Why would you buy a house in the fluid world of professional sports? Wally bought a house here. He's a part of the fabric of this community, to the point too, where the other serendipitous moment that will come tonight is it is Hockey Fights Cancer Night. And there's so many stories and so many people that have certainly been touched by cancer. We just talked about Louis Orr a few minutes ago, right? It's just one of those things that we continue to fight against and raise money for and raise awareness for, but It's a fight that continues, as you will see tonight in the many touching stories of who the players uh, are out there fighting for and the fans are fighting for. Included in my story today is a gentleman by the name of Bob Richards, who three years ago was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And the reason he found that out is he became friends with Wally. Once upon a time, Wally was hurt, and even when Wally was hurt, he was somebody that Ben Grew, the head coach, wanted around the team. That's not easy to do to make an influence on a team when you can't play. But Wally has such an influence in that dressing room that Ben wanted him around. He wanted him to go on the road. He just wanted him to do what he does, even though he couldn't get on the ice at the time he was injured. So at the same time he was injured, um, Bob's wife, Rose, asks Daniel Walcott to go to, at this time of year, it's uh, certainly relevant, to the Dickens Christmas out in Skinny Atlas, which is a, a great event if you've never been to. And, you know, Bob says, why is he going to go with us? Why is he going to go with a couple of old folks to Dickens Christmas? Well, Wally went. And Wally sang Christmas carols. And Wally had a ball. And Wally became friends with the Richards. He goes to a lot of baseball games with Bob. You know, coincidentally, Bob's grandson played for the Auburn Double Days last summer and looks exactly like Patrick Mahomes. But that's a whole different story for a different day. But, see, that's Wally. Wally makes friends like that. And back to what I was saying. So one time, uh, Bob is helping Wally renovate his basement. And how felt bad because he felt like he pushed Bob a little too hard. Bob was getting very tired coming up and down the basement stairs and felt something was off. Goes to the doctor, finds out he has prostate cancer. Thankfully, Bob is now cancer-free and is, you know, at this point in time, a success story. there. So for this night, To shine a light on Wally, for people like Bob, for people like Luke Witkowski, and so many stories that Jeremiah, who we brought up, and many that I have not mentioned, the connection the fan base has with Wally. Every fan that walks in that building that is a regular, not even a season ticket holders, people that go to games regularly or have been to events that the Crunch do in the community, everybody feels like they're Wally's best friend because that's how he makes you feel. That's how he made me feel when I went to interview him the other day at the rink, right? He just has that effect on people. You heard Howard Dolgan describe it on the show yesterday, and there's a couple more things in my story I hope you could check out at Syracuse.com as well. So, look, you don't get to this point and set this kind of record if you don't bust your ass, if you don't work hard every day, if you don't have the consistency it takes as a professional athlete to get there. But see, Wally, he's a third-line forward. He's not the biggest guy. He's not the strongest guy. He's not the fastest guy. But he is somebody that is just woven into the fabric of what it takes to be successful and is a crucial element in the Tampa Bay Lightning organization, particularly here. It's 335 tonight, and if he continues at this pace, God willing, health and everything, he is going to put that record out of reach. He is going to be the guy. The, the record he tops tonight, Brad Moran, is the current record holder. And again, if I start naming names, we'll be here all day for those fan favorites, but none of them have been around as long as Wally. And the crunch have endured 29 years now, 30 years next year. And that's just, it's become a staple around here every winter to know, especially with the, the changeover to the Tampa Bay Lightning and the product that they put out year after year. So, congratulations to uh, Daniel Walker. Wally, who will set the record tonight and will continue to not only set records, but set the standard, the standard that Mike Angelita set for him and many prior that he didn't meet or maybe doesn't even know. But that connection that the Syracuse Crunch have with their fan base, with this community, it's not just another pro sports team. here, and never has been. And it's because of people like Wally that they have that status. So we're thrilled for Wally. We'll uh, certainly be rooting him on. You can hear the game here on ESPN Syracuse. they will have full coverage of uh, anything that will be done tonight at the rink. I'm sure a few surprises are in the mix uh, for Wally tonight. There's a hockey game they got to play, but, you know, this doesn't happen every day. And like we said, it's a special night on top of that with Hockey Fights, Cancer Night, and all the things that will be happening in the building tonight. But uh, Wally takes center stage. And we congratulate him, and uh, as Luke Witkowski said in the story that I wrote, and he's right to say this, there's, there's a reason he's been there this long, and he's one of a kind. And he certainly is somebody that we want to see continue to play as long as he possibly can here at Syracuse. But 335 games, he stands alone in Syracuse crunch history. He stands alone in Syracuse hockey history. Stick taps to you, Wally. That's incredible. On that note, we break. We will come back. We will shift gears back to basketball a little bit and focus on the task at hand tomorrow at the JMA Wireless Dome as Syracuse takes on Cornell. This is not just your average Syracuse Cornell game, folks, just as it wasn't your average Syracuse Colgate game a few weeks ago. That we will get into coming up. Uh, Some breaking news out there. Mike McAllister noting this, probably what uh, Nick Monroe was hinting at as well, that Notre Dame transfer defensive back Jaden Bellamy has committed to Syracuse, a former elite recruit who has four years of eligibility remaining. So the portal giveth and the portal taketh away. In this case, the portal giveth at a position, by the way, that they really need. He is a high school teammate of Jaden Gould, who also with a number of years of eligibility remaining, is coming to Syracuse from Nebraska as well. So there you have it, friends. We will break. We will come back. We'll keep an eye on the portal if anything uh, is confirmed on the Rocky Long front. Reports out there today that he could be the new defensive coordinator at Syracuse. And the usual uh, Friday festivities here on the block, ESPN Radio com. Don't go anywhere. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. Home of the Syracuse Crunch. Dumont skates ahead at the red line. He shoots and scores. And the Crunch leads 6-3 with Puck in front of save. Rebound. Score! Overtime game winner, Charles Houdon. On the power play, the Crunch win at 4-3. Home of the Syracuse Crunch, ESPN 97.7, 100.1, 1,200 and AM. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Woo! We barely got the pizza order in there, kids. If you watch on QSportsTalk.com, you get the added uh, bonus of Pizza Friday. And what kind of pizza Uncle Brent gets every Friday? We we barely got that in there. We actually had to add a promo for the break. This was on hold. Got, you. Got to work on your hold music. Okay. Shout out to Pavones. But man, that hold. There, there's no hold music. It's just a it's just a beeping noise. Come on. I, I need I need some, like my elevator music when I'm on hold. Come on. We did it. We did it though. You know what else we're going to do right now? We're going to help you uh, win some money because it's time for the pick six. The six biggest games in football. And college is back, baby. I'm watching bowl games on my TV right now. UTSA 12, Troy 7. I don't think Jordan's going to hit the over on that one. That did not make the pick six this week, but this did. Let's actually start in the world of college football. At the Fenway Bowl, where Louisville is a two-point favorite over Cincinnati. The Cardinals will be guided by Director of Player Development, Deion Branch, serving as interim head coach, because Scott Satterfield left to take the job at Cincinnati! He's not going to coach them either in this game, though. No Malik Cunningham, Tyler Hudson out. They are going to bypass the Fenway Bowl to get ready for the NFL draft, so keep that in mind. Brock Doman in a quarterback for Louisville. The Bearcats also have an interim coach in this one. Their offense will be led by a new quarterback. Redshirt sophomore Evan, or Evan, pardon me, Prater, number one quarterback Ben Bryan, out with a foot injury. Give me Cincinnati, plus two in the Fenway Bowl. No Malik Cunningham. I think that's going to be tough for Louisville to win that game. Florida, Oregon, the Las Vegas Bowl. The Beavers. Minus nine, Oregon State went 6-1 and in its final seven games, a stretch in which its defense showed big improvement across the final seven games of the season. The Beavers held opponents to an average of just 17 points and 330 yards per game. Starting quarterback Anthony Richardson, Florida, out of the Las Vegas Bowl. He also will be preparing for the NFL draft. Bunch of Florida guys are out in this game either due to that or transfer portal, or injury. I love Oregon State in this one. They're invested. They're in. Florida's missing half their team. They do have Trevor Etienne running the ball well, but I think Oregon State clamps down. It's a big number, but I'm going to take the Beavers. Minus nine over Florida. The Jimmy Kimmel Bowl! Why not? Washington State, Fresno State. Fresno's minus four. Now, you think of Washington State, you think of a pass-happy team, right? They've actually been running the ball a little bit better as of late. So keep that in mind. Ground game hitting about 130 yards or more in three of their last four games. Your quarterback, Cameron Warren, hasn't thrown a pick in the last five. However, five and one when coming up with more than 75 rushing yards. Fresno State has only allowed one team under 87 yards on the ground. The Bulldogs are on an eight-game winning streak. The Washington State defense has allowed 200 passing yards or more in every game but three? It's a tough one to call here. I'm going to take Washington State to cover the plus four in this game. I think Fresno pulls it off. It should be a very entertaining Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. On to the world of the National Football League. The Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills. Hosting the Miami Dolphins Saturday night. Bills minus seven and a half. That's another big number. They're giving Buffalo all these big numbers. They don't cover these big numbers. And the weather outside's gonna be frightful. And boy, is it gonna be delightful as big Lake Effect storm comes in. Just for Miami, who have lost eight straight games with a kickoff temperature of 40 or below. Josh Allen, 7-2 and two in his career against Miami with at least two passing touchdowns in all nine career games. Tua Tungavailoa, 0-2 outright in his career when an underdog of seven-plus points against the spread. Last time he was a seven-point underdog. Last season at Buffalo, plus 15, Buffalo won 26, 11 Give me Miami to cover the seven and a half. Bad weather game. Buffalo's not covering big spreads lately. And until I see this offense kick it into gear, I love that they brought in Cole Beasley this week. I think they win another tight game here against a good Miami defense, but the Fish cover plus seven and a half. Titans, Chargers, Chargers minus three. The Titans defense is tied for first in rushing touchdowns allowed This season, and he got Austin Eckler, who's second in the NFL with 13 touchdowns, and he's been especially effective in the red zone. Travis Henry, not Travis Henry, (laughs) I went old school there. Derrick Henry ranks second in the National Football League, 1,199 rushing yards. He's averaging four and a half carries, or four and a half yards per carry. Pardon me. You got a uh, Bolts defense here, among the league's worst at defending the run allowing an average of 5.5 yards per carry. So two teams that cannot stop the run, two good running backs. Keep an eye on that. Chargers games have gone over the total only once in the past six. Overs are 1-4-1. and one. The over-under in this one is 47.5. via ESPN-FBI, the Chargers enter Week 15 with a 74% chance to make the playoffs. That climbs to 88% with a win or plummets to 52% with a loss. The Titans, 81% chance with a win, 92% with a win, or 74% with a loss. They're pretty much on track to get in. Chargers minus three. Give me, I'm going to take the Chargers in this one. I think they take this. I think Austin Eckler runs wild, and L.A. takes it at home and covers the three and wins this one. Giants, Commanders, winner of this one is pretty much in the driver's seat to make the postseason here. The Commanders are minus four and a half. Over, under, low at 40 and a half here. Seven of the first Giants games this season went under, but they have gone over in three of the past four. Whatever team wins, 8-5-1, and one, and they will hold the sixth playoff spot in the NFC. Since Ron Rivera came to Washington, Daniel Jones has a 56.9 passer rating against the Commanders. 244 rushing yards, three of his six top rushing games in the past three seasons have come against Washington. The Commanders have won the time of possession battle in seven straight. They're tied with Baltimore for the longest streak in the NFL this season. Washington's plus six minutes and three seconds time of possession is the best in the NFC. I'm going to take the Giants plus four and a half here. At least I get the cover in what should be a tight game two desperate teams trying to Get that final. It's not actually not the final, the sixth playoff spot in the NFC. There's seven playoff spots this year, but give me the four and a half there. Commanders do hold the ball a long, long time. That's something to keep an eye on in that game. Cincinnati, Oregon State, Washington State, the New York Giants, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Miami Dolphins. That is the pick six to cover. I would never pick against my Buffalo Bills. Plus, seven and a half we're taking with the fish. That's the pick six. We'll head down the home stretch. Final segment next. Stay right there.